Welcome to We Are the Future. My name is Michaela Jordan, and today we're going to meet House candidate Mallory Hagan. Throughout her life, Hagan has worn many hats. As a pageant queen, an advocate, and even a news anchor, she keeps an amazing ability to connect with others and be a true trailblazer for Alabamians with our stories. I first learned of Mallory's campaign through my mom. We were talking about Democrats in Alabama who were working for change, and reading Mallory's story is really what prompted me to start this podcast. Right now, Mallory is running for Alabama House in District 25, and in this interview, we delve into more about her story and the work she's doing to change Alabama for the better. So, hi guys, welcome back to We Are the Future. My name is Michaela, I'm your host again, and I have with here with me Mallory Hagen, if you want to introduce yourself. Oh, thank you, Michaela. Happy to be here. I'm Mallory Hagen. I am a native of Alabama. I was Miss America in 2013, and I am currently uh, running for State House of Representatives here in Alabama in District 25, which is the Madison County area. Awesome. So I read that you went to Auburn for about a year, and you and I both know that going to state schools in a red state was kind of trying. So how was your experience at Auburn as a Democrat and what would you tell other people in that kind of situation? Well, Michaela, I wish I was as politically astute as you when I was 18 and I started out at Auburn, but I am so sad to say that I was not. So I knew that I was a little different. I knew that I was progressive. Um, I grew up surrounded by the LGBTQ community. My mom is a small business owner and she owns a dance studio in the Auburn Opelika area. So I grew up on stage and in theater. And um, she also, when I was growing up, owned a hair salon. So I was really surrounded by a community of people that um, you know, largely are are not or have not traditionally been accepted in the state of Alabama, and so there was a lot of parts of my childhood that I think pointed me in a different direction. When when I got to Auburn, I realized that I was just a little bit different than everyone else, and that's sort of what pushed me to move away from the state. Um, I moved to New York when I was nineteen, so um, so I I'm glad that I had the experience of going to Auburn, but um, I'm also glad that I had the 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 courage to move to New York too. So that kind of goes into my next question actually and I think it's really funny because my mom also owns a hair salon. So so awesome. After leaving Auburn you went to New York to follow your dreams. So what would you say to young girls who want to take a chance on themselves and do the same? Travel is by far the best education you can get. Life education, um, cultural education, And exposing yourself to new places and new ideas, new people um, is incredibly important for personal growth and for understanding the world around you. Um, One of the things that I that I recognized was an issue when I moved back to Alabama was just sort of how much of a bubble I lived in growing up in Opelika. It was a phenomenal community to grow up in, but um, you're kind of sheltered from the the realities of the world, so to speak. And so um, I encourage anyone and everyone, all young people to, if you can't move, Take a take a few trips, travel, um, go to Europe. It, the The price to go to Europe and travel around for a week is the same, if not cheaper, than a trip to Disney World. So it is not um, something that is financially out of the question. And with a little saving, a little navigating, you know, you can do a lot with a little bit of money. And I just highly, highly encourage it. I love that so much. I want to get out of Alabama so bad. I like realized when I was like going into high school, like 
oh, we're really sheltered. <laughs> and I was like, I think I need to get out, of Alabama, get out of Alabama. But I'm so blessed that I can go to the University of Alabama and see so many amazing people and so many amazing experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of amazing friends there. And I'm like so excited to be able to serve my state of Alabama. But I do see where our faults come in. So that like, kind of leans into my next question. Since oh. your first professional race, you've been a strong proponent for not compromising your morals when it comes to winning a congressional seat. And I'm extremely proud of you for saying that. Um, With our country's history of unfair races, what do you think needs to change in our elections process to better better elevate the people who are truly running to serve their communities? Well, I think, you know, state to state elections look different. And in the state of Alabama, after we passed legislation that required people to have identification to vote, which was not, you know, wasn't a requirement before that. Um, We then began to sort of close offices and DMVs in more rural areas, making it more difficult for people often to go get identification. Um, And so what I would love to see would be um, a real effort to educate the public from our Secretary of State's office on the requirements for voting. For instance, um, many college students don't vote where they go to school because they're not as well educated on the process of voting or they think their driver's license has to match you know, their residence address. And those are things that are, are not requirements, right? As long as you have photo identification, it doesn't matter where you're registered to vote, you can vote, right? And, and so I'd love to see a greater um, campaign for education and awareness around some of those uh, frequently asked questions so that people are aware that they can vote. And um, I would love to see a, a larger push toward your generation to vote. Um, and I'd like to see people vote where they live. There's a lot of college students who say, oh, I'm going to vote absentee back where, you know, back where my parents live. But the, the truth of the matter is that while you're in school, you must abide by the laws in the state that you live in. And so you can change your voter registration as many times as you want to, depending on where you live. And I would highly encourage young people to do just that. Vote where you live because um, you'll have to abide by those laws that the lawmakers that are elected uh, pass. I greatly admire um, Stacey Abrams' work in Georgia with Fair Fight. Um, with her voter, um, voter, ugh, I can't speak, registering voters in rural communities. I love that you ch- touched on that. Um, mm-hmm. I think I always tell people I have a four, like four election cycle plan to turn Alabama blue, but we're going to do it. <laughs> I really do. It. It's, a, it's a long game, a long game. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know we have, we have the people, we have the voters, um, in 2017 with the Doug Jones, um, I don't remember, Roy Moore, um, 97% uh-huh. of black women voted. We have that power right here in Alabama and we just need to get people educated how to register to vote, um, and get the people out that really aren't serving their communities. And I think you're doing that. So perfectly. Well, thank you. That's the goal. And the good news about the seat that I'm running for currently up in Madison Huntsville area is that the seat is open. The current representative is retiring and that really presents an opportunity. And we've got a couple of races like that in the state this year. And what's really important for people to realize is that the state is a little above 40% Democrat. Um, with certain pockets being a lot heavier, right? And so the numbers are here. We are not quite as red as people think we are. Uh, we've just been gerrymandered, as you know. And um, and so we have to overcome some of those 
those obstacles. But if if people get out and vote, we have opportunities in the state. There are nine house races that we could win if people get out and vote. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm kind of moving on to a little bit different, but I love watching your TikTok so much. You're a TikTok star. And you you talked a little bit about about the crazy, like outrageous, misogynistic things that people have said to you as a candidate. What if, how have you learned to communicate with these type of people? Well, I wish that any of this was new, but being a woman uh, in the South, some of the commentary that I've received is not surprising. And so, um, you know, I think it's all communication is all about knowing your audience, right? It depends on how the person approaches me, how the question is framed. Um, And I, I really pride myself on being able to have tough conversations with people who might view the world differently than me. I'm cheeky on TikTok and I can be cheeky on the internet, but face to face, you know, I think it's really more productive for us to try and find some common ground. And so, you know, there are really outrageous questions, but I don't think always, you know, do you have children or are you married? Those aren't necessarily rooted in anything negative, um, but they can be they can be perceived as a negative while running for office. And so I just tell folks, you know, depending on what the question is, but going to those, I've been kind of busy. Right. I I won Miss America. I traveled the world. (laughs) Um, I worked for I I ran for office and I worked for Bloomberg. So um, I just always say, you know, those kinds of things kind of fell on the back burner and. Luckily, now I have a wonderful partner. And so maybe that's in my future. Right. So I try and find common ground and I usually address them, you know, brush it off and and laugh about it. But um, they do happen. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. So you kind of disproved my like next question. But I was said for the majority of Alabama voters, you're technically very radical being a Democrat running in upper Alabama. Um, how do you address that audience to see your point as beneficial? Um, and do you find um, addressing these types of voters beneficial to you and your campaign? Well, the crazy thing is, is that I don't think anything that I stand for is exceptionally radical, right? Um, and, and especially as compared to most developed countries, even our most progressive candidates are still not that progressive as compared to other parts of the world. Um, but what I try and point out is that there are a lot of folks here in Alabama who are doing okay. And I've been lucky to live in two communities that that's the case, right? Auburn Opelika is a flourishing, um, you know, flourishing area. Lee County is a flourishing area. Uh, Madison and Huntsville are flourishing areas. And so whenever I communicate with people, I try and help them sort of take a step outside of their own home and, um, you know, talk about some of the, the people that I've met or the schools that I've been to that are in more rural parts of our state. And I do so without um, without judgment or, or, you know, trying not to be condescending, right? I think sometimes people just really don't think too far outside of their own space, right? Or their own self. And it's not necessarily because they are rooted in selfishness, but just because life happens. And yeah. people have kids and families and houses and mortgages and all those things. Um, and so I really try and, and encourage them to think about the fact that while we might have great schools here you know, 20, 30 miles down the road, kids are going to school with outdated textbooks. They don't have technology. And that doesn't really set our whole state up for success. And trying to frame things from the perspective of, you know, in order for us to continue to create jobs, 
we have to talk about the economy, right? People and companies have to want to come here. And so if we don't create a state that's attractive to outside people to come in to bring those jobs, then you know, we're, we're shooting ourselves in our own foot. So trying to sort of frame conversations around some of the issues that I think might be important to someone who's across the aisle from me, most notably the economy, jobs, opportunity. I think we have to, we have to show those people how social issues and race issues tie into our economy and that we're only harming ourselves by not being a little more progressive on some of these things because it keeps us from being able to have opportunity over here. So you're obviously a strong proponent of bettering our education system here in Alabama. What do you think we first need to do and to better our education system in the like what do you think we need to do to speed up that process, I guess? Oh man. Well, I think that we could um pass the lottery and allocate and earmark that funding for our education. Um, you know, we spend on average about $4,000 less per student than the national average. So we're, we're really behind. And I know people hear the number we're 48th or 49th in education, but I don't know that that always really sinks in. Um, again, going back to job creation and opportunity, right? If there's a company like, let's call it, well, we'll use Amazon, for example. Um, Amazon wants to bring another site here to Alabama, and they're looking at different places in Alabama, but all of those places have failing school systems or below average school systems. So what are the odds that they're going to create 10,000 jobs in that area and bring 10,000 families to that area? They're not because the school systems don't support it. So I'd love to see greater funding um, to support our teachers and their resources um, I, I would like to make sure that our teachers are not coming out of pocket for, you know, recertification or for continued education. And on top of that, I would love to see far more mental health resources for our students in the state. Um, I'd love to see trauma informed counseling. Um, there's a lot that we could do. <laughs> um, with the passage of the new bipartisan communities act, um, why can't I speak? Um, tackling the issue of gun violence across the country. Um, what do you think the effects that that bill will have here in Alabama and where do you think we need to implement it at? You know, I'm, I haven't looked at, I haven't looked at the details of that bill. So I don't know exactly what it would do here in the state of Alabama. But one of the things that I, I absolutely believe in is, you know, the longer waiting period, um, you know, raising the age for the purchase of certain weapons um, and, and a, a you know, background check and also making sure that people are certified for certain grades of weapons. Um, you know, the fact that people can, you know, carry a gun without any type of, you know, license or, or things of that nature is just, it's, it's really baffling to me. And, and as I'm sure, you know, gun deaths for our kids in the state of Alabama is, I think it's the second highest uh, yeah, cause have, of death. Yeah. We fluctuate between the second and third highest like cause of death and what people don't realize. And this is like the large majority of it is um, suicides in rural like counties in Alabama. Um, so I definitely think we need to strengthen our mental health system here in Alabama, especially um, trauma counseling in schools. 
Even mm-hmm. in Birmingham, I see a lot of kids are directly affected by the violence that goes on in their communities. And then they go to school. How are they supposed to deal with that? So I definitely think we need to strengthen our um, mental health system um, across the board. Yeah. Um, oh, no, you can go. Oh, I, I, I was just thinking... Um, you know, my background is in child abuse prevention. And so I've traveled the country talking about more specifically child sexual abuse, but child abuse in general, and the trauma that it creates and the long lasting impact that that has on our society. Um, though that understanding that trauma, or, or those adverse childhood experiences, as we would call it, um, and how that continues to impact our workforce, our societal mental health, suicide rates, um, and as we are continuing to see um, outbursts of, of anger or premeditated, you know, gun violence, those those things are permeating at a rapid rate. And I, I think if we don't get a hold on it, we're going to see things get much worse before they get better. Mm-hmm. So once you get in the house, because I'm already speaking it into existence, um, what do you think is the first like, Bill, what do you think is your first course of action? What do you think you're going to start immediately on? Well, my hope is to join uh, Representative Daniels, our House Minority Leader, and the other members of the caucus in the expansion of Medicaid. Uh, I feel like we're just this close. Um, And one of the things going back to those jobs in the economy, something that we continue to talk about across the aisle, um, Medicaid would save our state money. Accepting that federal funding, expanding Medicaid would save our state money. Um, nearly 300,000 more people in the state of Alabama would be insured. And we could begin to deal with some of these things like mental health issues or, um, you know, making sure that people in rural parts of our state have access to health care. And so to me, that's most important, not only because of people's physical and mental health, but because of the economic opportunity that's there with the expansion of Medicaid as well. Yeah, that's super awesome. I feel like people sometimes do not realize the impact of their voice. I was just calling um, KIV's office for the passage of Medicaid and the acceptance of those funds. Um, The power of a person's voice is extremely important. Your lawmakers have to listen to you. You voted for them. So you can get them out also. So I think people need to realize the power of their voice and take action instead of being passive, which sometimes I know our generation can be in the age of social media and everything that's going on right now. <laughs> yeah, I see it a lot. You know, it's one thing to talk about things online on the internet because that that element, awareness, is incredibly important for candidates, for policy, all of those things. So using social media as a tool to create awareness around subject is really important. But um, I, I really encourage people, and especially young people, to not shy away from the voting element and taking it a step further um, help getting out and helping candidates that you believe in. Right. Um, I've heard so many folks say, you know, what's the point of voting? I don't, I don't want to vote that nothing ever changes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's, it's simply just not true. Things do change when people show up to vote. You know, you can you can oust someone who's a long term incumbent. Right. And you can bring in fresh blood, uh, fresh, fresh blood, quote unquote. Um, Those those things really can happen. But some candidates like myself and other Democrats in Alabama, the cards are stacked against us from the beginning, whether it's through funding or through volunteers, et cetera. So if you do find a candidate that you like and that you believe in and you stand by what they say, then 
not, don't just vote for them, right? Help them because that is incredibly valuable in the process. Within your campaign, what do you need from young people to do right now other than voting? Oh, oh my gosh. Well, social media awareness for me is actually very important because I'll tell you why. The more people who know about my campaign and are inspired by my campaign inside the state of Alabama and outside, that actually helps us fundraise. So that awareness around the campaign and when we're running, people having eyeballs on our social accounts helps us fundraise small dollars, which is actually really powerful over time. And then if you're here in the state of Alabama, we need boots on the ground knocking doors um, knocking on doors is a great way to get exercise, meet your community, um, meet your neighbors, and um, and really make a difference. People are 20% more likely to vote if you knock on their door. And then if you don't live near me, but you want to help, we need help phone banking. Um, and I know I know young folks don't love the phone. I don't love the phone, but um, but it is actually incredibly effective in helping us turn out the vote. So those three things, social media, knocking doors, and phone banking. I'm so, so excited for you, and I can definitely get people on your phone banking lines. I'm the queen of phone banking. I love phone banking, so I'd definitely help you out. (laughs) I would love for you to sign up. We need it. We need it. Okay, awesome. That's all I had for you today. I want to thank you so much for coming and talking to me, Um, and that's about it. Thank you so much for wonderful. I am so proud of you for, for deciding that you wanted to do this and making it happen. You know, so much of eating an elephant is just taking one bite at a time. So super proud of you. Can't wait to see the remaining uh, episodes.